Great. Uh, firstly, Happy New Year. It's really great to be back. Is anyone cold? Yeah, just a little bit chilly. I think, are you cold at the back? Do you know, it's warmer at the back. So if you're sitting down here and you suddenly felt really, really cold and everyone just starts moving towards the back, it's fine because hot air rises. But anyway, it's really good um, to be back. It feels like, you know, we've had a, almost like a week off or a couple of weeks off church and then just to come back and to be worshipping Jesus again, you just absolutely love it. So thank you so much for like, the guys that led it and, um, and these guys for hosting it so well. We're starting a new series um, uh, this morning, which is going to be great in the book of Samuel. Choices. Choices. Did you know that the choices that you make will define your character? Did you know that the choices that you make when life is going really well will be really, really important? Did you know that the choices that you make when actually you're not going through a great time, when you're going through a pretty grim time, the choices that you make then will be hugely, hugely important. And the consequences of our choices are really, really important. So this, um, uh, a week ago we went into Pentonville Prison. Graham Seed, who came down and preached uh, our carol service, he knew that we were going into Pentonville Prison, so he drove all the way down again from Middlesbrough, or Darlington, isn't it? Uh, Darlington, it took him about eight an eight-hour round trip just to come and be in the prison for about... Um, uh, an hour, and he, he spoke there for about 20 minutes. An amazing story with all the guys that are in prison over New Year. It's not a great time for them, but he came in and, and he just he talked a little bit about choices. Because prison, trust me, is full of, well, Pentonville in particular, is full of men. Sometimes they've just made one bad choice. And they've just made a mistake. And I think, if only I could just go back and, I don't know, not lose my temper or not do something. Or, you know, but, but there are consequences to the choices um, that we make. And the book of Samuel is really a book about choices, about different choices that different people made, uh, choices that Samuel made himself, uh, choices that David made, that Saul made, and choices that we're going to look at today that his Samuel's mum, Hannah, made. Uh, some Choices in the book of Samuel are good, and some are not quite so good. There are some examples of great choices and some really bad choices. But we're going to look at this moment when Hannah, Samuel's mum, when read it in a moment, was going through this moment of profound, deep emotional trauma. She was really going through the mill. And we just want to look at what choice did Hannah make. Just to give you some idea of the historical context of when we're going to read this book uh, of Samuel, what was happening at the time. Israel had crossed uh, into the Promised Land. Who led Israel into the Promised Land? With God. Who said God? <laughs> uh, well, I think there are a number of reasons. I think Moses probably led the children of Israel out. Joshua led them in. Joshua led them in uh, to the, the promised land. They met with all sorts of hostility. And Israel had this history, didn't they? But yeah, we love you, God. And then, ah, no, we don't really at all. Yeah, we love you. And I, sometimes they, they were just like up and down all the time. Is anybody here ever up and down in their love of God? Yeah. Just put your hand. No, don't you? Don't have to put your hands up. 
But we are up and that's the story of Israel. They were up and down all the time, but they'd gone into the promised land. And then God had this plan that when the children of Israel, that they would be ruled by judges. Yeah. People that men that, that God would appoint to rule over them. But Israel, what did they say? They they said, Oh, we don't thanks, God. Actually, we're not all that keen on judges anymore. Like, all, the, all those people, they've got kings. They've got kings that unite their countries, and they'll, oh, can't we have a king, please? And then, and then so like, Samuel, who, like, we're going to look at this whole story of Samuel's birth, but later on in, in Samuel's life, he'll say, no, you don't want a king because God says you have judges. Judges are better. And they said, no, but we'd really like a king. So anyway, they went down the route and they had kings. But that is the process. And, and Samuel, who we're going to look at this whole story, is about this pivotal moment when Israel moved away from being ruled by judges and they moved to being ruled by kings. And Samuel tried to say to them, it's not a good idea, but if that's what you really want, okay, that's what we're going to do. So that's why the, in the Bible it goes, Joshua led them into the promised land. Judges. Then there's Ruth. And then you've got Samuel. And then what comes after Samuel? King. Oh, two Samuel, yes. <laughs> yeah, two Samuel. <laughs> and then what comes after two Samuel? Kings. Okay, so that's the, that's the chronology. That's where we're going. And that's the, set, the background and the setting uh, to this book. The other reason that we are going to do a series on Samuel is that we're having this discussion with our elders and with uh, Tim Dieppe, who's overseeing the preaching, and with Jonathan Killen, who's overseeing the preaching up at Hatfield. And together we just thought oh, it would be really good to do an Old Testament story, because we spent quite a lot of time in the New Testament, and it's good to come into the Old Testament. And this story in particular is very good for helping us navigate when life is messy, when life is challenging, and when life is complicated. The story of Samuel is going to help us in those moments. So, let's go to uh, 1 uh, Samuel chapter 1, and we're going to read the first 20 verses. And we're going to look at this, um, about uh, Hannah. What can we learn from Hannah? Okay, so here we go. Um, 1 Samuel 1, chapter 1 to 20, uh, verses 1 to 20. There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zophite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. They had better names in those days, didn't they? <laughs> he had two wives. One of them was called Hannah, and the other, Peniah. Peniah. Peniah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hopni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever they came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to help all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. And whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? 
Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once, when they had finished eating and drinking at Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. I just want to stop there for a moment. And it says there, Hannah stood up. It's a really significant moment. Hannah had been going through all of this moment. She'd been going through all this time of being taught, like teased and tormented and ridiculed. And she just thought, oh, my life is awful. And there comes a moment when Hannah stood up. And I think we, we, we're going to come back to it, but I, I feel there will be at some point where I'm going to invite some of you at the end to stand up. Because I believe that this is going to be a new day, a different moment when we, we, we deal with some of these issues in a slightly different way. But I feel it's really significant that it says, Hannah stood up. At what verse was I at? Ten. I'll read from verse nine. Once when they had finished eating and drinking at Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow saying, Lord, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. And as she kept praying unto the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And Eli thought she was drunk, and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Ah, not so, my Lord. Hannah replied, I, will, I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman, for I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And she said, May your servant find favour in your eyes. And then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early in the next morning, they arose and worshipped the Lord and went back to their home at Ramah. And Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. So here we have these two women. You have Hannah and Peninnah. And the word, that name, does anybody know what the name, oh, I put it up there. No, not yet, don't go, no. <laughs> Does anybody know what the name Hannah means? <laughs> uh, what's that? It means favoured. It means, like, well, go, sorry, thank you so much. Okay. Uh, Hannah, it means grace or favoured. It means that God's grace was on her, that she was the favoured one. And penina means coral, as in coral that you would find in the sea, or a precious stone. And I don't know, you can't read something into the, into the names, but you just wonder if, if penina was this woman of extraordinary beauty who seemed to have everything. And Hannah 
was favoured. And even though Peninnah had given Elkanah his firstborn son, Hannah was still his favourite wife. We will do a study on polygamy at some other point, okay? <laughs> uh, okay. We're not advocating polygamy, that's no, it's not right, okay? But we're, and we'll understand why they had that in the New Testament. Another point, but so he had these two, he had these, these two wives, but Hannah was his favourite wife. And they would come to this annual celebration where all the families would get together at this place called Shiloh. And, and Elkanah would favour Hannah. And Peninnah would do what? She would do everything that she could to wind up, annoy, rile, antagonise Hannah. That was what she felt was her job. She had it, perhaps she had beauty, she had children, the very thing that Hannah longed for, she wanted to make her know because Elkanah favoured Hannah. They were rivals. It just seemed like everything was unfair. How many people had a completely peaceful and calm Christmas holiday with no arguments at all in the family? Well done, good. Sometimes family gatherings aren't always like that, are they? Sometimes you put all these people in a room together and all these sort of like jealousies and angers and, and there is something, so my mum and dad have been dead for quite a long time now and you know, I love them dearly, but we would all gather back together at our family home and there would be things that, I don't know, your family can get under your skin in a way that nobody else can because you've grown up with them. You know, and when you've had these fights and things when you're like six or seven or eight, you know, it's quite hard to then suddenly become all mature and when you come back into the room. And sometimes these things happen, but that is what was happening in this situation here. Sometimes even deep-seated resentment is portrayed as a joke. I don't know if you've ever had that in a situation <laughs> where somebody says something and then they say, well, it was only a joke. Can't you take a joke? And you're thinking, well, you didn't really mean it like that. But that is what is happening in this situation. And Elkanah, the husband, would do what? <clears throat> he would provide all the meat and everything, that, all the food that he had to, for Peninnah and all her children. And for Hannah, he would do what? Give her a double portion. Did you know he was breaking the law to do that? Because the law in Deuteronomy says that you have to give the double portion to your firstborn. <laughs> it was an interesting moment. He was going against what the law said he should do because he favoured this one. Peninnah continued to tease and to taunt and to mock Hannah. And so in the end, she stopped eating. And then you have this moment of, I suspect what can only be described as, as crash, uh, crass sort of like ineptitude from a husband. Anybody who has struggled to have children would know that they might not appreciate her husband coming to and say to her, am I not worth 10 sons? Are we not worth ten sons? And you think the obvious answer is no. Actually, no you're not. But you have all of these complex family relationships. And actually I think that the pain of childlessness runs really deep. 
We cannot overestimate that. It's a hugely difficult and it's sensitive subject. And if we can understand, perhaps some of our friends or our family who have not been able to have children, we can understand some of the pain that Hannah felt in this moment. She thought, I'm here, I want to have children. But God hasn't enabled it. At the end, you know, we pray for healing this morning. We're not going to make a big deal of it, but I think I'm going to pray that for those of us who know, who aren't able to have children, I think, well, I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray for God's release in that. Now, Hannah made a choice in this moment. <clears throat> Can I just ask, what are, what are some of the choices that Hannah could have made that might not have been helpful? Anybody, any suggestions? So, blame God. Yeah, that's one. Get angry at God, yeah. Anything else? Sorry? Just feel sorry. Okay, get angry at God. Just feel really sorry for yourself. Turned away from God. Turn away from God. Retaliate. Get in there. Anything else? Just give up. Withdraw. Yeah, that's it. I'm out. I'm not playing this game any longer. I'm not going to be with you. There are so many ways that, that Hannah could have reacted. All of those things like self-pity or withdraw or fight or just give up. But instead, Hannah does this. She made a choice. One, she stood up. She said, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not carrying this any longer. And she took her pain and gave it to the Lord. And all we can tell is this, it was not pretty. When, ha when Hannah stood in the temple praying, it was not a pretty moment, because Eli the priest thought that she, she was drunk. She was all over the place. She, she wasn't sort of like quietly, like kneeling down and sort of murmuring, in, you know, and just quietly beseeching. No, she had lost the plot. She was going all out to God saying, God, what are you doing? But, you, but the, what it says is, Eli said, she could, you could see Hannah's lips moving. She was passionate about something, but she could, he could not hear what she was saying. But she surrenders everything to the Lord. And then she says, if, if you give me a son, I'm just going to give him straight back to you. It does beg the question, was this a test from the Lord? Was, was God just being like cruel by not allowing Hannah to have children? Was it just like, was he just being a bit, I don't know, mean, uncaring, unthoughtful, unhelpful? Why? Why? Because if God could just suddenly open her womb and that she could conceive and have children, why didn't God just do it straight away? Was it a test from the Lord? And sometimes when we find ourselves in testing moments, when life doesn't make sense, when we are really, really struggling, we have to look at what is the purpose, what's the intent behind our testing. And if you are being tested, and the intention is that you simply fail, that's called a trap. 
But if you are being tested, and the intention is this, that you grow in patience, in loyalty, in endurance, in love, then that is a wonderful gift of an opportunity. And that is what Hannah decided that this moment was. This was a moment for her to come to the Lord. In this hugely testing, difficult moment, she decided to do what? To stand up and give this thing to the Lord. Even if you give me a son, I'm going to give him back to you. Hannah willingly surrenders herself to the Lord. And the interesting thing is, you had some woman who just willingly gave her life and said, this pain that I'm carrying, I'm going to give it to you, Lord. <coughs> and she was instrumental in doing what? That through one line, her son appointed David to be the king of Israel. And from David, the king of Israel, came who? Jesus. You wonder what would happen if Hannah had gone the other way and just said, ah, all those things that we talked about, angry, fights, all these things. I don't know. But it's these choices. It's those choices that we make every single day. I have choices that I make every single day. I wonder if sometimes if your life circumstances seem that everybody else is favoured, but you are struggling. Or I wonder if you're in situations at the moment where you just think, I don't really know what is going on. I can't comprehend with this. I can't deal with this. This situation is beyond me. At the end, when I finished in a moment, I'm just going to invite you to stand up with Hannah. And we're going to pray that we give these things over to the Lord. That we stand up and say, God, you come and deal in these situations. The other thing I just want to, just to reflect on is the character of God in this moment. That when Samuel is eventually born, Hannah sings this beautiful song. And that, that song we're going to look at, not next week, but the following week. And Becca, you're going to be doing that. That should be great. But part of that song is this. That Hannah sings how wonderful it is that God uses the lowly, the humble, the broken. God chooses to exalt the humble. And you know I think often God chooses to overlook the obvious leaders. The leaders that are just gifted and talented. <laughs> the leaders that expect to be used. But so, in fact, it's too much of a persistent pattern in the Bible to ignore. That God chooses to use the weak and the vulnerable. God didn't choose Elkanah's firstborn son as the Lord dictated he should, but instead he used the son of a, a godly, humble woman who chose to put her trust in the Lord. You see the pattern with, with Abraham. Abraham had two wives. Can anyone tell me who Abraham's two wives were, apart from Manuela? Sarah and, and Hagar. Sarah and Hagar. Who gave birth to Abraham's firstborn son? Hagar. What was Hagar's name? Ishmael. Ishmael. Yeah, everyone, everyone, oh, I don't think so. Ishmael. Ishmael. 
Who did God's promise go to? Sarah's son, Isaac. So often, you just think that it's the obvious person that God is going to choose to be a leader, but actually God chooses somebody different. Even in, in um, Isaac's sons, the eldest son was Esau, but the promise went to Jacob instead. When Samuel anointed Saul, Saul was the leader that everybody thought he was going to be the leader of Israel. He, like, he said he was the most beautiful young man there was, and he was head and shoulders above everybody else. He's the obvious person. But do you know what happened to Saul? He began to believe his own press. And he began to think, <laughs> to be honest, uh, I am pretty good actually. Yeah. Don't like to say it myself. And what happened? He just made, he failed. He failed. He went away from the Lord. He started trusting himself. He started making really, really bad choices. And then what happened instead? The run to the family, the guy that was bullied into keeping sheep out in the field. Who was that? That was David. He was the one that was anointed, the one that was constantly overlooked. David chose not the obvious one, but the one who was humble in heart, who had a heart after God. It's a persistent family. Do you know, when God chooses you, if God chooses you, you still have agency in the game. You know, you still have the... If God chooses somebody, you can still choose to reject it. God chose Eli to be the priest. He talks about it in there. And Eli had two sons. This isn't a history lesson, but the two sons of, of Eli were Hopney and Phineas. And what did Hopney and Phineas do? In the end... They just took it for granted that they had this place of privilege. God had chosen them, but they moved away from it. God didn't reject them, but they rejected God. But it, it seems to be like today that self-confidence is the goal that everybody wants. If you can breeze through life confident in yourself, you'll do okay. I just want to say at the beginning of the year, God is looking for something different. God is looking for humble-hearted people that will trust in the Lord, who will put their confidence in Him. Jerry, what is the time? I'm sorry. Thank you. I just want to ask the question as we draw to a close. How do you respond to adversity? If you are going through a moment of difficulty, confusion, you feel that your life is not favoured, you feel that other people's lives are better, yet they have more, they are more together, how are you going to respond? When things become messy and painful, what are you going to do? When you compare yourself to somebody else and say, God would never, ever use me, what is God saying to you at the moment? God is not swayed by confidence, intellect, bravado, but he delights to use humble men and women who will come to him with every situation, who are filled with a spirit, willing to trust him. So in a moment we'll, we'll pray for everybody, but when Hannah stood up, she said, that's it. I'm just going to trust the Lord in this situation. And so in a moment, I'm just going to invite you to stand up in a moment. 
and I want to invite you to stand up if you if there is an issue that you are facing that you have been that's perplexed you and you do not know what to do with it but you're going to stand up with Hannah and say Lord I'm giving this to you this is your issue Manuela where's Manuela yeah. could we could the band could we have that band to come back is that alright Father, we, we so often carry burdens that are not ours to carry. <coughs> and I thank you, Lord, through the story of Hannah and how she responded, that you invite us to emulate her and to give these things to you. If you know right now that there are issues in your life that you simply want to give to the Lord, can I invite you to stand up right now? issues of childlessness issues of feeling everybody else is favoured Jesus we give them to you we give them to you oh Lord <coughs> pray Lord that you would come and you would fill us with your Holy Spirit afresh that we would know that as we hand over to you some of the burdens that we carry some of the complexities of life that we carry God we want to thank you that you come and, and fill us again with your Holy Spirit I thank you Lord that when Hannah had that moment of giving it all to you and then Eli the priest said go in peace we want to ask Holy Spirit that you would come and as we give these things to you, Holy Spirit that you would come and whisper in our ears, now go in peace. So maybe just like, like Hannah in a moment, in your heart, just give these things that you are carrying to the Lord right now.
Jesus answers, Go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And Jesus, we say, we may, may we find favour in your eyes. Father, thank you. just want to pray particularly. There are those who, who have struggled with childlessness because this story speaks to it so clearly. And I pray, Lord, that that would be given to you, O oh Lord. Lord, that it would be profound trust in this situation that can cause such deep anguish and hurt. But Lord, as it says that you opened Hannah's womb, we pray, Lord, would you do that? Mm. I thank you, Lord, that Hannah's trust came before she fell pregnant. And she said, if you give me a son. And Lord Jesus, we will trust you in every situation that we ask, oh God, go ahead of us. Grant us our desire, O oh Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Father, thank you. And just lastly, I want to pray for against an ungodly feeling of inadequacy. <laughs> that you feel God could never use you, that you're not the right person to be a leader, that you're not the right person to bring the kingdom of God into your workplace, in your home, or into the church. Or... And we say, Lord Jesus, craft within every single one of us a humble heart. You lead us, you lead this church, we simply obey and follow you, O Lord. Father,